Hey everyone, welcome again to the Badass Podcast, the Batman the Animated Series Show podcast, where we talk about Batman the Animated Series. My name is Clay McCormick, and with me as always is Sean Murphy. How you doing, Sean? Good, man. I uh, I found myself while watching Sub-Zero making a lot of notes about what I would do to change a whole lot of things. Mm. And I don't usually make notes when I watch these. Usually I just kind of wing it. But uh, yeah, I'm curious to see what your thoughts are here. I'm, look- I'm looking forward to, to hearing that as well. Hopefully one of those notes is add more story. Um, yeah, well, yeah, all that. <laughs> but yeah, we we've uh, we finished uh, Batman the Animated Series as it is traditionally known, which is the first three what would be DVD seasons of of the show. And uh, before we start the fourth and final season, which is known as the new Batman Adventures, I believe we wanted to do mm-hmm. Sub Zero, which is sort of a crossover movie. We're about Mister Freeze. It's the uh, uh, it's technically regarded as a sequel to Mask of the Phantasm, although I'm not really sure why, because they don't have anything to do with each other. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe just because it's a movie. But yeah, so this was actually the number one straight to uh, videotape or DVD Batman cartoon ever for a while. It held that record really until the 2000s, until Batman Red Hood, I think, overtook it. Oh, no kidding. I thought it was the best reviewed or best best something, um, and the reason that Phantasm didn't beat it is because technically Phantasm was supposed to be directed video, but then they turned it into a feature length. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's some interesting some interesting stuff about this one too, where I guess it was meant to be. Uh, it was, I believe, it was supposed. This one I think might be might be flipped because I think yeah. this one this one was made in conjunction with Batman and Robin. And I think they were going to release it in the theater, but then Batman and mm. Robin tanked. Um, oh, and so that they, Batman and Robin. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and so after it tanked, they yeah. released it to straight to video. Yeah, you know, I was looking at other video reviews just to get my head in because I want to know if I have rose-colored glasses, and I, it's nice to see objective reviews. And um, on Rotten Tomatoes, this has like a ninety-something percent by critics but 67% by fans. Mm. Um, and most of the critics, when they talk about this, they talk about Schumacher. And it's important to remember the context in the late 90s where we had one or two Schumacher films that kind of bombed. Right. Uh, fans didn't love them. So a lot of the reviews at the time were, Sub-Zero is much better than Schumacher, like Tim, right. yes. Boy Kirkland, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Like They're all taking this way more seriously than Schumacher did. So I thought it was interesting how it was held in contrast that yeah and i I was i was wrong it wasn't it wasn't supposed to go to the theaters it was but it was originally set for a release in the summer of 97 but it was held back because of the negative reception following batman and robin which also features um yeah i forget when when did we all realize collectively that um the first schumacher movie was bad i don't think i don't think people realized the first one wasn't great until the second one was pretty objectively bad then it it was, felt that way too. Yeah, to I think uh, I think the the third one, if I remember correctly, was kind of it was coming off of Batman Returns, which people didn't like because it was too dark. So uh-huh. uh, my memory of it is that oh, Batman Forever, it's a little bit less serious, it's a little bit uh, more accessible. Robin's in it, so that's fun. Yeah, it's got Jim yeah. Carrey in it. That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. He does a great job. Blah 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 blah. Yeah, um, the marketing was fantastic. I mean, I remember MTV, I watched MTV at the time, and they had at least three music video hits. 
like the soundtrack to this oh, movie yeah. was yeah. as big as if not you know bigger than the movie itself which was yeah, kind of I a distraction the, uh, I loved the uh the U the U2 song uh hold me oh, kiss yeah. me kill me throw me or whatever the video was Do great Do you really <laughs> Oh I no I I I did at the time I don't enjoy okay, it okay, now okay. but like it was a music video right. featuring Batman and a All cool right. rock song <laughs> I tried to go to bat for YouTube a lot in my drunken career uh, at bars, and I whenever I go back to listen to the YouTube song I was defending, I always go, mm, yeah. I wish I hadn't stepped up to the plate for no, that. No, I've, I've never really been a YouTube fan of any uh, yeah. stature. I However, mean, the Edge plays like one chord, but yeah. just keeps his, he just like plucks the things. It makes it sound, it's like that's the easiest thing in the world to do. You're not even really playing. <laughs> yeah, his, his, uh, his um, skill is in the sound scape that he creates with all of his effects and stuff but yeah the actual yeah actual notes he's playing are few and far between um, yeah i remember rollins used to uh deal on that band a lot when he used to do spoken word <laughs> back in the 80s and 90s yeah, yeah. But anyway back on the batman <laughs> yeah let's uh let's play the trailer for this real quick take a quick break and then i'll uh we'll get into the nuts and bolts of sub-zero a chill has fallen over gotham Freeze is back in town, and only one man can stop him. But he's going to need all the help he can get. It's going to get cold this summer. Very cold. Sub-Zero. All right, Batman, Mr. Freeze, Sub-Zero from 1998, directed by Boyd Kirkland, written by Randy Rogel, Boyd Kirkland, and... Oh, that doesn't count. That's Bob Kane. He's just the creator. Um, we all know one, how little he did for Batman. <laughs> yes, yeah, and how much he milked it afterwards. Um, yeah. In this one, Mr. Free, when Mr. Freeze, desperate to save his dying wife, kidnaps Barbara Gordon as an involuntary organ donor... Batman and Robin must find her before the operation can begin. That's a a very quick summary, but that's pretty I think much that's kind of my yeah yeah <laughs> that's, the, that's the movie. That's my that's my biggest quibble. I think is that there's this is like it's like a long episode of the car, the show, which yeah. Yeah. in and of itself isn't bad. But I I kept thinking back to Mask of the Phantasm, mm-hmm. thinking about like how much story they pack into that. Yeah. And this, it's like, it seems like it's a technical exercise more than anything else. Yeah. I liked it as a kid because it wasn't bad. The animation was really good. This is the first Mm -hmm. time we saw 3D in uh, the animated universe. And I thought it was, you could tell when it, you know, when they were using 3D, but it pretty much blended. uh, It was, it was used effectively. You know, usually it stands Mm -hmm. out, but I think in this case, you know, with the air, the bat plane was a, a great scene where the thing is turning around and you can see <laughs> they use CG the to bat- animate Alfred too, who's like this robot with four moving were parts. They, <laughs> they 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 fire up the jet on the bat plane, then they turn it around, passing yeah. it in front of the computers and shit, <laughs> <laughs> burning Alfred to yeah. death. Uh, they use it at the beginning with the um, icebergs and the submarine and uh, mm-hmm. the car chase with Robin. They use it a lot for the vehicles, but I thought it was pretty seamless. For the 90s, for a, a budget of whatever, I, I thought it stood up pretty well. Yeah, it's. I didn't I didn't love it. I think, um, I'm just talking about specifically the computer stuff. Yeah. I can give it a pass for, for that reason, where obviously it was early going mm-hmm. uh, as far as that stuff goes. Um, I much preferred the animation 
in the final sequence on the oil rig, which I think is fantastic. Yeah, the ending, this just the action of the ending yeah. is fantastic. The last 20 minutes, it's so well edited and cut and shot. Yeah, they were really leaning into it. was getting up to that, like... Uh, 80s cartoon opening opening credit sequence level mm-hmm. which is always a thousand times better than the actual show it was like that tight and it was yeah you could really see they they leaned into it they, they use a couple shots i think they used the same animation twice but it was so good that they used it twice of batman and robin I, yeah running around a corner and then running towards the camera and it looks fantastic yeah and it's at a dutch angle and then as yeah. they round the corner you see a blast of ice behind them and then the freeze uh blast comes towards the camera it, it's so it's the impact is perfect on that shot. Yeah, and all the explosions are setting off, and all that stuff is, yeah. and all the close-ups look really great. And uh, yeah, the scene where Barbara is sliding down that zip line thing with bombs going off and everything is awesome. It's really, really good. So uh, I'm gonna cut to the middle here. <laughs> Do mm-hmm. they still not know that she's Batgirl? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I honestly don't know. It never comes up. You know, you're here. Here's a, uh, a grappling hook through fire and all that, and. Here, you figure out how to climb down it. You're a gymnast. So you'll probably be fine. Or mm-hmm. are they like, well, you're a bad girl, and you'll know what to do with this? Well, I, I, I think we, m- we might have talked about this a little bit in, on the <clears throat> Batgirl Returns episode. I'm not sure who knows what, because right. I don't know if she knows that Bruce and Dick are Batman and Robin. Yes. I'm pretty... I don't think she does, right? No. They okay. don't know. And they straighten this out in season four of Animated Series an episode called Over the Edge. Okay, so none of them know who the others are cuz I I assumed Batman knew. I didn't I didn't know if Robin knew, but I assumed Batman knew. Yeah, so sorry, it wasn't Over the Edge. It was another one where it's like old wounds or something. It talks about why Dick left, why he became Nightwing, and it was over a kerfuffle when he realized Barbara was Batgirl. Batman knew and he never told Robin. I see. That's what it okay, was. Okay. Okay. That makes that makes more sense. Yeah, that um, it's funny that it doesn't come up. I actually, my other problem with this this one is mm-hmm. uh, it makes Batman and Robin out to look kind of dumb uh-huh. because <laughs> there's th- it takes them a long time to piece together what's happening. Yeah, when really uh, Mister Freeze showing up at that dinner and kidnapping Barbara, uh-huh. plus the fact that they find that list of names that. Barbara has a matching blood type with Nora Freeze. I feel yeah. like you should put that together pretty quick. <laughs> There's a lot of, con- oh, isn't that convenient moments. You know, honestly, we'll just start at the beginning where we have, uh, mm. I love the opening sequence where Victor is uh, fishing uh, with a spear under the ice and he's got mm-hmm. these two polar bears. And I, I think just as a set the record straight, I think Victor and two polar bears should always, always be a thing. I think that's just too perfect. <laughs> Um, even and for those who don't know, I, I drew a book called Punk Rock Jesus and I had a polar bear hero and I, spoilers, I, I killed him off and my wife has yet to forgive me, but, uh, I always have his, a soft spot for polar bears. Um, I was wondering actually, as I was watching this, if that was a specific <laughs> nod to this in Punk Rock Jesus. No, it's in Punk Rock. She's trying to save the planet. So, you know, drowning polar bears is such a thing. Right, so I right, thought right, she yeah. could have one around like a dog, you know, whatever. So it made sense, mm-hmm. but yeah, I'm sure it didn't hurt that it was introduced in this, um, so, the submarine floating around in the beginning, it just happens to crash into Nora out of all of the Arctic, mm-hmm. out of all the ice and all the snow. They're not there looking for Freeze. They're not sensing him on their technology. They're not, he even has gold at one point. They're not right, even like, hey, yeah. there's a gold cave over there. Let's <laughs> check it out. 
No, they're just on an exposition to do whatever, and they destroy, they almost murder Nora, Nora, destroy the lab. They walk away without even realizing the, you know, their parallel parking maneuver did not go so well. Um, right. These guys get back. The rest of the crew is frozen, and they're frozen too. And now Mr. Freeze is on, you know, a mission to save his wife, who's now been, you know, mortally wounded mm-hmm. because of this. They, I just wish that they had come up with some reason for why they were there. It just seems so easy. Yeah. I, I thought I, in my head I was putting it together that maybe they were there because of the gold, but I don't think they ever say that. And nope. also, nope. from that point, I was like, <laughs> gold? Why does he have gold? Yeah. What? Well, because, Clay, if you remember from the middle, he made all these uh, bets in the futures of some chemical thing, and his stocks went down. So gold is the only thing that will get him out of a debt, according to his accountant, who knows exactly where he is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering where Mr. Freeze got this... Uh, found this vein of pure untapped gold in the Arctic mm-hmm. and also a child, apparently. Yeah, well, Where, where's that kid's family? Yeah, well, you, <laughs> I assume they were eaten by the polar bears. <laughs> I, it's possible, very probable, actually. Yeah, and the thing is, I like the kid. I think it humanizes him. Yeah, yeah. And it's nice because Freeze is going, he basically decides to kill Barbara to save Nora. He's doing mm-hmm. all this kidnapping. We always... We know that he's a good guy slash bad guy. Like he, Freeze always kind of rides the line in a way. He's not a good guy, but he's just misunderstood. And uh, when he agrees to kill Barbara, that really does make him a bad guy. But the fact that he has mm. this adorable Inuit child around does make him more redeemable. So I do like the placement of that character there. But yeah, the question of where are his parents is kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think the line that they try to walk with Mr. Freeze in this is kind of also a problem because mm-hmm. it's it is strange that they position him as a more humanized character but yeah then they do have him straight up mm-hmm. he's going to murder barbara to harvest yeah. her organs right and then at the end they have that scene uh, inexplicably where they're like yeah we brought nora to the hospital and she's fine now yeah um we we did that we did that procedure and now everything's fine and you have that moment where yeah. at the end where he's watching that on TV and kind of like walks away satisfied it's like right. okay sure but you still almost murdered a girl and yes. we're totally willing to murder a girl in order to get to this point yeah. that we now have found out you absolutely didn't need to do yeah you <laughs> this- and your buddy who looks like fucking Frank Sinatra I mean this <laughs> surgeon is literally walking around with a comfort bun a bow tie undone, and he's just missing a martini. But he looks like mm-hmm. Frank Sinatra at the Coca- he's got, Coca Cabana or whatever. He's got uh, very, very piercing blue eyes as yeah. well. Much, yeah, uh, <laughs> they don't even give him Sinatra. whites behind the eyes. It's like flesh. Yes, parts yeah. where it should be the white of the eyes. That's also flesh, and then straight blue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. It, I um, mean, he's definitely a unique looking character. Like I think he was well designed because he does stand out. But he also looks exactly like fucking Frank even, Sinatra. <laughs> but even that character too. He goes from uh, surgeon who has debts to pay to mm-hmm. like grinning evil murderer who yeah. gets killed by falling debris and you're yeah. as he's running away like very quickly. <laughs> you know, I forgot he was pancaked by, by a bunch of falling yeah. debris. <laughs> I thought like, oh shit, are they going to show him floating away safely after as they usually no. do in Batman? And they did not. Yeah, they it's they treat him as though he's like the mastermind yeah. behind everything. Kind of it. This actually reminded me a lot of Deep Freeze, the epi- the uh, the last yeah. episode we watched of Mister Freeze, where it's yeah. someone who needs Freeze to do a procedure. Right, and Freeze is doing it to yeah. 
save his wife, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I think this episode could have been 22 minutes. Sorry. <clears throat> this movie sure. should have been a 22-minute episode instead of Deep Freeze. Deep Freeze should have been a 70-minute movie where they could get more into this, you know, utopia yeah. where all these people have agreed to, you know, murder the entire species. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I totally agree because I, I remember we did talk about that where there's a lot of stuff that they just leave completely unexplained in Deep Freeze that could could have done with some expansion. Yeah. Uh, whereas this one doesn't seem to have story to fill yeah. the 90 minutes or whatever. Yeah. So there's two things that I would do to doctor this movie. Mm-hmm. I would have... It's awful convenient that Barbara happens to be the right blood type. But let's just let that slide for now. Let's say... When Freeze captures her, he sees her Batgirl costume, and he figures out who she is. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care, but he knows. So you still have Barbara kidnapped, and when she's missing, Batman realizes, oh, Barbara is Batgirl. So now there's two reasons why he needs to find Freeze. Not only mm-hmm. to save Barbara, but to stop them from learning her identity, to, to keep that secret safe. And, you know, he's worried that, she'll, that he, she knows who he is, he and Dick are. He decides not to tell Dick all of this stuff, thus preserving season four episode. So basically, this movie serves to tell us how Batman figured out who Barbara was, mm-hmm. why Dick doesn't know, why Batman chose not to tell him, and uh, why, when he's rescuing Barbara, maybe he makes a comment, and she realizes that he knows that she's actually Batgirl, and then she reala- she reveals it. she knows he's Bruce Wayne, or maybe he reveals it to her, something like that. I feel like a subplot yeah. of that would have fit into this movie just fine. And you could have kept Robin in the dark. You could have had him still flip out later on when he realizes that, you know, the truth is being hidden from him. That's one thing I would definitely add. What do you think about that? Yeah, I agree with all that. I think that's, I think that is what's, what's missing because I also noticed that Batman and Robin aren't really in it that much. Mm. They, they kind of just pop in for a few scenes and then they show up at the end. And it, it really does focus more on Mr. Freeze. Yeah. Which is not in and of itself a bad thing. It's right. just that it's they're not doing anything new with him. Like right. they're not <clears throat> telling a new part of the Mister Freeze story. It's just the same thing where yeah. oh his wife is hurt and he's got to help his wife. Yeah, it's the same old Freeze. I generally like how it's played. It's it doesn't give you anything new. I like the ending a lot. We'll we'll get to that later. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it doesn't really move the ball for Mister Freeze in that way. But I, I liked that the movie did talk about the romance between Barbara and Dick. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if there was a line at the party where he's like, man, I want to spend more... He's talking to Bruce. This, I want to spend more time with Barbara, but she's always busy. What the hell is she doing? And Batman's like, well, what are you doing that keeps you so busy? Wink, wink. You're obviously mm-hmm. Robin and I'm Batman. So the when she gets kidnapped, Batman realizes why she's got Dick, keeping Dick at, a le- at, at some length. And he decides, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I, I'm telling you. <laughs> should, Richard. Why Richard is being kept at such a length. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I and then that's that. why he decides not to tell robin right yeah no i think so uh, definitely we uh, uh one of the questions we got was actually about um the movie and I, I think it's an interesting thing to consider as well uh and the question is would you have liked to have seen nora as an actual character and not just an idealized figure for mr freeze's motivation maybe get to see nora's own reaction to how far her husband went to save her yeah that's actually not a bad idea because that's kind of what's missing from the, the freeze and Nora relationship, right? right. Like he's the, the, doing the same thing. He's still, he's going to these yeah. uh, extents right. 
and it's the same thing every time. So to actually right. have her, if you're going to have her wake up, yeah, have it mean something instead of just being a tag at the end Ugh. of the episode. You know? I I hear you, um, and I think this is just preference because what their relationship is missing is context. You know mm-hmm. that he's crazy about her and he loves her, but you don't know why. You just kind of fill in what you imagine to be, you know, their story. Mm-hmm. Um, but personally, I don't want to ever see Nora awake. I don't want to see her talk. I don't want to hear mm-hmm. her voice. I want to keep her as this like unattainable thing for the viewer as well as for, sorry, not only for Freeze, but as, as well, but for the viewers too. Mm-hmm. That was a horrible sentence, but you guys know all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, I think I generally I agree with you, but I but I think I think if you're going to to wake her up, uh-huh. you need to wake her up specifically to break that yeah that idea yeah. And for Mister Freeze, I think that would be a pretty interesting character character mm-hmm. thing to put him up against because, like you're saying, you're idealizing Nora the same way that Freeze is idealizing Nora. So to have her wake up and mm-hmm. like Bride of Frankenstein, reject what's been going on yeah. for for her, right. I think would be would be right. I mean that might drive him even further off the deep end, which yeah. would be an, a catalyst for more you know yeah. Mr. Freeze hijinks or whatever. So if I, let's say they made another movie of this, and they you and I are basically the audience and all the all mm-hmm. the listeners obviously, and we all are excited because we're like oh man a Mr. Freeze movie who would have thought. And um, in that we know Nora's going to wake up and she is going to talk and she has a voice actress playing her and she is going to have a reaction to Victor. We would all go in the movie theater excited to see it. I personally would be terrified that they were going to fuck it up. You know, like (laughs) I kind of don't want to know, but I'm very interested to see what happens. But if they Luke Skywalker him like Last Jedi or sorry, Luke Skywalker her like Last Jedi, I'm just going to flip out, (laughs) you know? Well, I mean, I think... Much like the use of Luke in that movie, yeah. what are you using the character for? You know, you better have a damn the... good reason and a good plan for what she's going to do, and you know it can't be half-assed. Right, right. And I, I, I actually, I defend. I would defend Luke's use in that movie probably more than some people would. Mm-hmm. Um, and but I, the, I agree that if you're going to wake her up, it has to be for a purpose. I would probably yeah. do it. I would do it about halfway through the movie. I think because yeah, it would be. The point where Mister Freeze gets what he wants, but he doesn't get it in the way that he thinks he right. would. He, it does. He doesn't get it. It's a monkey's paw kind of situation. Um, it right. doesn't. He doesn't get it the way he thinks it's it's going to happen, and also he has to have consequences for for getting it. Yeah. So, kind of on this point, so my answer to that is obviously I would not have her do that. In fact, I mm-hmm. had her revived in White Knight Volume One, and I didn't give her any lines. You see her from the back. You see Batman talking to her, saying thank you. And that's it. Like that's as far as far as I want to go. I feel like she is this idealized character that only Victor gets to experience, and we are we can all just wonder. And that's what makes her work. Um, but it's just mm-hmm. preference because, like, what everything you just said and with, with the the question um, suggested, yeah, there's a mind. There's there's a, a, a there's a ton of good stuff there to dive into. What who is Nora? Why do they fall in love? What is her reaction to all this stuff? Of course, of course, of course. There's a ton of stuff you could do there, but like my personal preferences, I just would rather not know. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's fair. Um, so um, one, one, this actually leads into my other idea of how I'd like to fix this movie. Sure. So one was, you know, tackle the Batman, Robin, Batgirl stuff. The other was, um, let's. I think they should have made this surgeon, not only is he an old friend of Victor's, he worked at the same company, 
where Nora had her accident. And Victor sees this guy as an old buddy. Mm-hmm. With, there's strain there, but he, do, he sees him as kind of a friend. And this guy agrees to help Nora. But Victor doesn't know the truth, that one reason why Nora had her accident was somehow due to something the surgeon did years ago. And in this, you get a backstory about Victor and Nora. It can be brief. You talk about how they met and how she worked at the lab too and there was this accident and this this guy, Victor thought this guy was doing everything he could to help Nora all these years. Mm -hmm. But by the end of Sub-Zero, he realizes this guy is a villain. Uh, Case in point, um, Victor doesn't know they have to kill Barbara right up until kind of the end. It's not just a blood transfusion. Mm. It's an organ transplant. Mm -hmm. She's going to die. What if the surgeon doesn't tell Victor that right up until the end? And Victor's pissed. He's like, this isn't what you told me. Is this what happened years ago? You've always been, you know, playing fast and loose with science and not being honest. That's why Nora's in this position in the first place. It's your fault. It's her fault. Like, that kind of a thing. But you would obviously pretty that up a lot. So he has a falling out with his friend, but he does suddenly have the chance to actually save Nora. And his friend goes... I'm sorry, there's no other way, but if you want to save Nora, it's going to mean the Batgirl has to die. And Victor takes a moment, he thinks about it, and then he agrees. He goes, okay, fine, let's do it. And that's when Batman shows up. And you have the rest of this scene play out as is. You have Batgirl be the one that saves Victor from the fire, and then you have Victor save her after, and then at the end of the movie, he apologizes for... That's the moment he actually becomes a villain. You know what I mean? Sure. So the whole sure. context with Mr. Freeze is like, is he a villain or is he misunderstood? He's always been played by other people. Uh, the corporation fucked him over. Now this surgeon who he thought was a friend fucked him over. And um, when he was faced with, when he actually realized he could save Nora, that's the first time Victor was actually willing to be a villain in killing mm-hmm. Batgirl. But luckily Batman showed up and Victor stepped away from the edge. He apologized to Batgirl and it's fine. So I think that's kind of what I would do with it. Yeah, no, I like that too. I think that's that's really interesting. You 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 give um freeze a few more layers to work on and stuff. I yeah. do find it interesting though because like I think I think where our our sensibilities diverge a little bit is um the stuff that you're saying about giving this backstory about how Freeze and Nora met, mm-hmm. I think flies in the face of the idea that she is something that only uh yeah victor can experience that's like i i'm i'm much more interested in yeah what happens when she wakes up than i am with how right. they got to that point but the stuff about uh the the guy being responsible i think all that stuff all works really well yeah yeah and i think you could do that flashback and you don't have to show nora or have her speak at all you just mm-hmm. suggest it there's a wedding photo there's a, re- a wedding reception and uh, his friend is helping Victor tie his tie or something like that. And, you mm-hmm. know, you get a sense, but you, you don't need to break the rule of showing Nora. Sure. You sure. could. I mean, obviously, it works that way, too. But, uh, yeah, I, I definitely take your point. Yeah. Um, but, no, I, th- I think that stuff works really well, generally. Um, it, yeah. It, it's, it's amazing how much they leave on the table in this. Um, there is so much potential for this, and they had free yeah. time. Like, it, it kills me, like, that they didn't, they, they, they didn't see any of that potential. But they definitely wanted to talk about gold and the surgeon's yeah. <laughs> financial problems and stock futures. Yeah, that's why that's why it feels so much like it was more of a uh, technical exercise yeah. that they wanted to just like show off some new techniques than it does like a right. really well considered story. Because like Mask of the Phantasm isn't really breaking new ground, right? Animation wise, at least not, right. not that I remember anyway. 
I feel like it breaks new ground for that show from a storytelling point of view and, yeah. and uh, what you're adding to the character and whatnot. But right. as uh, far as special effects go, it's it's not that much different yeah. than uh, a really high end episode of the show. Yeah, you know, and I actually realized that Mask of the Phantasm opens with some CGI, so that's the first time that I think that that technique. Oh, is sure, sure. Not 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 necessarily. Yeah, is one. it like a? It's like a shot through the city or something, right? Yeah, I think it's just yeah. that. There might be some other cars in the background that I missed, but I don't think there's it's really used that much. Mm. Um, the other the other aspect that right off the bat tells me that they're not really taking this as seriously as maybe they did for the other one mm-hmm. is uh, they use the Danny Elfman music at the very beginning. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. use uh, uh, the the intro through like they kind of they kind of uh, edit it down so it's just kind of like the intro and then that little <laughs> yeah. bow, 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 bow. yeah. Um, they get started right away. Like you get sucked into the movie pretty quickly. Yeah, I just I found it so distracting that they use the Elfman music. Where it's oh like, yeah, why, why, why now did you <laughs> should you choose to do this after three seasons of great original music? <laughs> you know, I never caught that until I just watched it today, and I yeah, that's the first time that stood out to me. Um, yeah, it's funny for all the CGI that they did in the uh, movie that was so good. The clunky ass bat symbol at the very beginning yeah. looked like. You could see where like the uh, the marquee tool was used to build like click click <laughs> click. All right, and that's one side of the bat. Let me smooth that out a bit. Eh, whatever. Yep. It's a little ragged, a little rugged. Or sorry, jagged. But who cares? <laughs> I I noticed I noticed some breaking up on uh, the ice that was f- that was falling down as he was like swimming through it. Yeah. Some of that stuff looked like it was from like uh, Wing Commander or something. Yeah. You know, it, it, it looked it looked uh, mid nineties PC video game oh, quality. Man. Unfortunately. Oh, I could do a whole podcast about 90s point-and-click games. I love that <laughs> shit. Um, I felt like the... Uh, you talk about the surgeon. This guy's kind of... His motivation's all over the place. Is he mm-hmm. running into trouble with money? Does he want gold? Is he trying to help Victor because he's a friend? Or is he grabbing a gun and trying to kill Barbara? Mm-hmm. Um, what if... Get rid of the gold thing, because that really doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> Let's have him in debt. But rather than uh, stock, he's... Um, you know, got a stake or he's like doing research with something that's a drug that's related to how he can save Nora. But this is like a drug that's not approved by the FDA. He's basically mm-hmm. um, uh, the bad guy from The Fugitive. Oh, sure. The yeah. one who Harrison Ford confronts at the podium and like you mm-hmm. approved Pro- Provazic you before. You switched the samples. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> Victor, I think. is Was it? Wait, was it Victor? Was it Victor? <laughs> it might have been Victor. Uh, Rick. Rick. All right, I'll put a pin in that. We'll get to it later. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this guy, like the reason that he wants to save Nora is because it proves that his drug works and he's just going to have to cover up the Barbara thing somehow after. But saving Nora and proving the drug is effective will save his company. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that, I, I don't know why this is so slight story-wise. I'm looking um, at the fugitive right now. Keep talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think all of that stuff just just fleshes everything out really well. I mean, it's uh, you've got. I, I again, it just it just points me towards like they were. It was more of a visual exercise than a story exercise. But yeah. it's like you can you can get if you if you look at this episode and think of it as twenty two minutes of story inside a ninety minute movie uh, that's padded out by great action. You can still do a 22-minute story 
and pad it out with great action that has like some beef to it. They do it on right. the show, you know. It's not like it's not like they didn't tell better stories than this on the right. cartoon, on on the the TV show. Yeah, yeah. Is this one kind of? It's almost like it. They were switching gears to either work on the new series for Batman season. You know, sorry, uh, season four, or maybe they were getting into Superman or something at the time. And they kind of didn't. They didn't pay attention to this, and they kind of got a script that was half cocked, and they just sort of started animating it. Like it existed in this weird middle space where no one was really paying attention to it. That's how it feels, anyway. Mm. That doctor's name yeah. is uh, sorry, Doctor Charles Nichols. <laughs> ah, I don't know why I had Victor in my head. Well, I guess yeah, I do know why. <laughs> the guy who plays him is actually the bad guy uh, from the Dolph Lundgren Punisher. That's the yeah. only thing I know that guy from. So every oh, time I see him, he was oh, also Punisher. in uh, License to Kill. Uh, that's right yep and i was he he's yeah. been he shows up as like a a, a, a slimy a slimy white collar villain in basically yeah. everything he's either that or a nazi i think he shows up as a nazi yeah he's, a, he's got he's got good nazi face uh yeah. sorry living yeah. daylights i always get those two mixed oh up. yes 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 i'm a big uh, i actually like Dolph Lundgren punisher a lot and i, I yeah i don't yeah i kind of jam those movies together in my head <laughs> <laughs> um oh yeah the punisher man i'd like to do a podcast about that movie someday yeah, I, I um early on shortly after we started doing uh uh the show with Wes, yeah, I got the chance to go on a show called um Unjustly Maligned, which was basically people would come on and defend <laughs> works that were generally generally disregarded as being of poor quality. Uh-huh. And as soon as I knew that show existed, I jumped at the chance and asked the guy if I could come on and do the Punisher. Uh, because I, part of the part of the reason I, I kind of got into podcasting was to eventually talk about that movie. <laughs> and because so, I I was I was looking for a show idea to mm-hmm. do myself, and yeah. something I came up with ended up being very similar to this guy's podcast. And I was like, well, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna step on this guy's toes. He's been doing it longer and he does it better. But I was like, well, I can still scratch that itch <laughs> if I can get on his show to talk about the Punisher. Something gets so, straight. Eight seasons, seven seasons of TNG, uh, seven seasons of uh, uh, Deep Space Nine, uh, mm-hmm. The Prisoner. All these things. You're just because you want to talk for ninety <laughs> minutes about the Dolph Lundgren Punisher. No, it it was it was kind that of like amazing. it was. Uh, no, it, it wasn't. It, it it was like I, uh, I when I was looking into starting this other show. Uh-huh. I the I had this idea that was similar to his. In that it's like, oh, maybe we talk about and try to defend stuff that are is generally looked down as bad. Yeah. And my entire impetus for that idea was just so I could talk about the Punisher. So I was going to build this new show uh-huh. as an excuse to talk about the Punisher, and then yeah. luckily I didn't have to. Quick uh, uh, sidebar here: I don't think the Punisher is going to come back to Marvel anytime soon. At least the comic books. Um, with the protests in Washington and cops wearing Punisher logos, it's just mm-hmm. knowing Marvel like. I wouldn't touch that right now. It's just not a well, good time. Probably not, but luckily they have a backup because mm. Frank Castle, uh, spoilers for people who haven't read this comic yet, is Cosmic Ghost Rider. And Cosmic Ghost Rider is is a, a newer character who's uh, who's gotten a decent fan base in the past handful of years. Is this the Ghost um, Rider in space who wears a helmet yes. and his head is on yeah. fire underneath the helmet? Yeah. Makes perfect um, sense to me. <laughs> it's actually it's actually a really interesting story. The uh, um I, I won't I won't go into it, but it's like it involves 
the Punisher becoming one of the heralds of Galactus or something, and he's around for like a billion years, and he slowly goes insane, yeah. and then he eventually ends up with the Ghost Rider. It's it's yeah. a, uh, it's a good story. I, I recommend looking into it. I, but I like, heard a, a rumor that uh, an artist did like at least four issues of Punisher, and those issues are not going to come out now. Just really, of, yeah. The, um, the cops wearing Punisher logos, and you know, it's problematic as you, as you hear the kids mm. say. So I, I think Marvel is just going to shelve it for a while. And a part of me feels bad for this guy. The other part of me doesn't really like this guy. So I'm kind of like, hey, 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 that's what you get, asshole. <laughs> yeah. Just because Well, I'm... I think... Uh, <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, I think regardless of whether or not the character should take a hit, I think Disney might want to crack down on usage of the symbol is from a legal standpoint, because I feel like they could probably... They yeah. have the muscle to maybe stop some of that? Well, you can't. I mean, so Reebok tried this. I think it was Reebok who was like, we're tired of skiing shootings, uh, gangland shootings, and you always see them wearing a pair of Reeboks or a pair of Nikes. Mm-hmm. I don't actually mm-hmm. know which company it was. And they actually tried to get stations to blur out the logos on their shoes because they didn't want to be associated mm-hmm. with this, and it just didn't work. Yeah. Well, I guess I'm thinking like this – you can crack down on the usage of these printed symbols like oh yeah go to cafe shirts that they're yeah Yeah. shirts that people are wearing with the punisher symbol with like a you know whatever flag you want to superimpose yeah you can i feel like you can shut that down if you really want to yeah um or i mean those those cop cars that have the giant decals on them i don't know i think they i think they managed to stop that but i think that's a bad look yeah the punisher and i'm I'm, it is a bad look i have (laughs) I have friends who were cops. Like I'm not anti-cop. I think there's bad cops and good cops, of course. And you know, I I don't like good cops. And the union stuff is a problem. You know, there's a way to tease it all out. But uh, yeah, yeah you a mean cop you don't like, wearing, you don't like uh, bad cops. Sorry, you said I don't like good cops. Oh yeah, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> you can't buy the good cops. Is why I don't like them. <laughs> eh, yeah. So yeah, but yeah. Uh, but in no real no version of of that is Punisher. Oh, sorry, a cop who's supposed to be for justice and accountability celebrating a guy who's about unaccountability and street justice. Right, it's just those yeah. two things are not compatible. Sorry, yeah. If you want to have a, a Punisher funder. on your truck that you drive home from the police station? That's fine, but you can't put that on a squad car, dude. Yeah, fundamental misunderstanding of the character. I think. Yeah. <laughs> now, like skulls on soldiers' uniforms and stuff. I don't mm-hmm. know. Like, if you're a soldier in Afghanistan and you're a big Punisher fan, and you're allowed to put whatever you want on your bulletproof vest, and that's what you go with. Like, I don't know if that's problematic. In my opinion, some mm-hmm. would say it was. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna make a call on that because I honestly don't know. I think yeah. it requires a it's lot of a lot of uh, um, yeah. probably uh, analysis by people smarter than me. Yeah, you know, the, the only reason <laughs> I'm thinking about it, um, and I haven't. My opinions aren't solidified at all. I'm just sort of thinking out loud here. But, you know, with White Knight Volume 3, there's a potential to do some stuff about, you know, police. And uh, Batman mm-hmm. just gave all his Batmobiles to the cops in right. the end of Curse. So, you know, if Batman gets out of jail in 10 years and Gotham is completely transformed to like a Blade Runner type futuropolis, and the cops are the cops, these overpowered you know, driving these overpowered tanks everywhere. Uh, mm-hmm. what, what Do people like living under a police regime? Is it well run? Is it not well run? You know, did Batman make a mistake by militarizing the police? And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm you know, it sounds, I'm, I'm going to say, like, I'm not trying to get political, but obviously it is very fucking political right now. And there, yeah. Um, so it's something that I kind of need to think about before I start writing um, Beyond the White Knight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I feel like you, you, you have to. 
yeah. ad- address it because it's yeah. not even not even from if you want to take politics out of it, it's just like that's yeah. the uh, part of the story that can't be ignored. Yeah. You know, it's uh, yeah. and also to there is this um, perception, negative perception that Batman is just a cop without any rules, mm-hmm. uh, which I don't really ascribe to. Yeah, um, because my the version of Batman that I prefer is the one where he is actually kind of working against the cops in some capacity because yeah. they're so corrupt. Yeah, uh, like in Dark Knight Returns, et cetera, et cetera. So I think having having Batman in that position where he has accidentally mm-hmm. created this uh, militarized police state, yeah, and having him push back against it, I think is a, is a really interesting story. Yeah. You know, but the other worry I had was um, a lot of writers are jumping on this now, but mm-hmm. a lot of writers are super liberal, and they're probably just going to talk about it from one point of view. And um, <clears throat> when I try to write these topics, I try to include the other side, and I feel mm-hmm. like I've done a pretty okay job with some th- topics that could be difficult and kind of dancing over the laser beams, but sort of trying to show both sides in a mm-hmm. way that doesn't make either side look stupid and I think that's why people don't know what to make of me on when I was on Twitter is because like I wasn't clearly on one camp or the other. I was just trying to write both sides and they didn't yeah, they wanted me to to claim uh left or right basically and I didn't yeah. want to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, um, other writers are tackling it, but I think the way I would tackle it would try to be more balanced and nuanced and I, I wouldn't try to shove anything down anyone's throat. I would just try to point out the facts as we know them and let Batman decide, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, nothing. Nothing wrong with with that. I don't think it's not hard, um, too. Writers, come on. <laughs> I mean, your argument is better <laughs> if you learn about the other side. You know, what's that saying? Like, he who only knows his own side knows nothing. Sure. I'm pretty sure right. that's a saying. Yeah. Someone can uh, chime in. Yeah. <laughs> By Fafflecles. Yeah. Said that. Yeah. Probably it's Einstein. Yeah. Or someone. Yeah. Who who love cops. Uh. So where were we now? We've got to get back to Batman at some point. I don't have well, a good well, segue. Well, I, 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 I feel like we kind of, we've talked about the movie about okay. as much as we <laughs> we, we can. Uh, we, we did have uh, put out a call for some questions for us to, to get into. Cool. And uh, we got a lot of them, actually. So we can uh, try and get through some of these if, if you want. Yeah, let's do it. The first one we've got is, I'd love to hear the direction Sean and yourself will take Badass once you get through season four. Um. And I think we've we've talked about this to some extent. I think we're we're going to do Batman Beyond, and after Batman Beyond, I don't really know that because that's I mean it's going to be a while before we finish that. So mm. I'm not exactly I don't have a ten year plan installed for this. Yeah, I don't even know if we want to be doing this after that. But who knows? <laughs> yeah, we've got another season of Batman, plus a few episodes of Superman that include Batman, plus three seasons mm-hmm. of Beyond. Um, we could mm-hmm. always dip into the movies and stuff too, and then do the Superman series if we wanted to, or JLA and Justice mm-hmm. League Unlimited. You know, there's plenty. There's at least 15 years of podcasting content staring us in the face. So, awesome. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you and I will be in wheelchairs, being force-fed Jello by the time we get out of this podcast. Uh, it's probably going to be the only thing keeping me alive at that. Point. <laughs> uh, um, so, Clay, what uh, you can answer this question first because I've been doing sure. a lot of talking. Sure. Are you, Clay, excited to see mm-hmm. Mullet Nightwing in the new Batman Adventures? Uh, yeah. I'm, I've always kind of had a soft spot for Mullet <laughs> Nightwing, even though I feel like they kind of... Don't they kind of like half-ass it in that show because they give him like a ponytail? Yeah. They try to make his top 
hair spiky to give it some shape, which I get. But the spiky hair looks shorter, and the ponytail, sorry, the long hair is a long hair, which is a fucking mullet. Yeah. And somehow that got through. Somehow nobody (laughs) thought to uh, change that before it went into production. Yeah, I would be more excited to see the 70s disco Nightwing, where he's got that big open collar. I love that Nightwing, honestly. I would do a disco era Nightwing story and just embrace, you know, the, the shoes and the pants and all that stuff. Yeah. You know, Nightwing has always been this funny character to me because one of the things that I never realized until much, much later is that he chose the name Nightwing as a tribute to Superman. Really? It has nothing. Yeah. As as far as the comics go, at least I don't know if they've changed it since with all their reboots and stuff, but if I remember correctly, <clears throat> there was a, a period of time, I think, where Superman went by the name Nightwing, like very briefly. And mm-hmm. so when Dick Grayson came up with his own character uh he didn't want to uh honor batman but he really likes superman so he chose the name nightwing <laughs> yeah <laughs> i assume that's been retconned out at this point because it doesn't make a lot of sense to me but that's whatever. a really good fuck you to batman too isn't it it is it yeah. is yeah yeah it's like i've i've become my own character my name is crypto <laughs> my name is not batman anything yeah. <laughs> but batman reverse batman yeah um, same same person asked a more serious question. Uh, did the series hold up for you as well as expected? For me, a greater percentage of the series was more aimed at younger kids than I would have anticipated. Um, not a bad thing at all. In fact, the campiness was more than welcome, but I was still expecting a darker show overall. Um, yeah, I think we talked about this a little bit in, in our wrap-up episode. Hmm. Uh, what, what do you think? Why don't you go first? You know, it's really not that dark compared to the newer stuff that's coming out mm. from Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen all of it, but you've got characters, sexual situations, swearing, violence. You know, it's definitely animation for adults. And mm-hmm. uh, that kind of a Batman series just wouldn't have gotten greenlit back in the 90s. Right. Um, yeah. So it's amazing that it is as dark as it is, <clears throat> given the rules that they had to follow for a kid's show, especially. Um, but his question is, like, does it hold up? Like I thought, for me, absolutely, because I I never stop watching this. It's just always been in the background of my life a few times a year. You know, it's not like I took 10 years and then I'm going to watch this again. And then I'm like, Mm -hmm. yeah, this doesn't hold up. Like if I tried Mm -hmm. to watch, you know, He-Man or Thundercats all of a sudden, yeah, you'd see a different reaction. But (laughs) I find that Batman is pretty bulletproof for the most part. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I I think it holds up really well. Um I, I one of the things I did take away was I was impressed at how sophisticated a lot of the stories were. Yeah. Um compared to some of the other stuff that was going on at the time. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just not giving other cartoons of the era mm-hmm. the due that they deserve, but I I feel like generally the stories were a, a little bit more sophisticated than you'd get from from your general uh Saturday morning fare. Oh, as yeah. far as as far as darkness goes, I think that stuff is su- it's such a sliding scale mm-hmm. because I, you're right. The stuff that they do now is so much darker, and it's it's dark to the point where I feel like for animation, I I, I don't like it. I'm not comfortable yeah. with it. Yeah. Um. It's I I know I sound like an old man, but it, I feel like it's too violent. Mm-hmm. It gets too sexual. It gets too dark. Yeah. Um. 
you know, like uh, I, there's one they did a while ago with, that had Weird Al Yankovic doing a voice playing like the Toy Man or something like that. And I was like, oh, this should be fun. And he shows up at the opening of the movie playing a version of the Toy Man who's like abducted and is implied to have like molested or murdered a bunch of kids. Yeah. And then he gets like murdered by Jason Todd or something like very yeah. graphically. And I was like, this isn't as fun as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a weird tug of war with the Batman universe because, you know, publishers want to appear, appeal to kids. They want new mm-hmm. customers. They want to break into YA. You know, they know that cartoons are still mostly for, for kids. You could debate that these days, actually. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. Um, but then you've got people that are like, oh, Batman's got to be dark. The suits just automatically go, oh, Superman's not working? <laughs> Probably wasn't dark enough. you got to make it more dark. Mm. The kids really love dark. Darkity dark, dark, mm-hmm. dark, dark, you know? Mm-hmm. That's just their automatic fix for anything, and I don't yeah. think it's simple just to make Batman dark. I think Batman still has to be fun. It can be dark, right. but you still have to have the the moment where he's like, does it come in black? Which I know is a line you hate. <laughs> you wanna, I actually don't mind it that much. In that right. Movie. Or when he's like, so when he says to Vicky Vale, you weigh a little bit more than 98 pounds or whatever. Yeah, 108, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, it, it is, it's such a <laughs> wow. sliding... What's that? You knew her actual weight? <laughs> well, I, I mean, you know, I don't know. It's, it's apparently more than she says. Um, yep. It's it is such a sliding scale because like if you go back and you look at Batman eighty nine that was considered a dark and gritty imagining of Batman but yep. now people go people modern people look back and go like this is campy as hell and bright colors are everywhere uh-huh. it's like well okay but like at the at the time like it's not it's not camp it's not dark uh, yeah Joker is wearing bright but that's what contrasts him as a character from the rest of right. the city yeah. I, but it's like you could see that sliding scale throughout everything. Yeah. Like if you go back and you watch movies from the 50s that were considered boundary pushing right. now, yeah. Yeah. they're not going to seem as boundary pushing then or like even 10 years later, like uh, Bonnie and Clyde pushed a lot more boundaries than it mm-hmm. than a movie like that than Scarface did in the 30s, you know? And, yeah. and since then, we've had movies that pushed boundaries even further. So it's yeah. a sliding scale with that stuff. And I think... Uh, um, <laughs> and we're desensitized. Too. I mean, yeah, I was watching yeah. Narcos, and I'm like, you know what? This show actually isn't as violent as I thought it would be. It's it doesn't go full Martin Scorsese, and that is including a scene where a guy is ripped apart by four motorcycles pulling on each of his <laughs> limbs, and they don't show. Yeah. It's not as grisly as it could have been, but for me, it was like, eh, that's a, that that wasn't too bad. It's like, yeah. If I was 12, that would have I would have nightmares. You know, <laughs> I I realized that we had crossed a threshold in what was acceptable. Uh, in in TV, yeah. and I was watching an episode of The Walking Dead, and there was a whole sequence where they pulled this giant fat zombie up out of a well, mm-hmm. and in the process, full frame in camera, the top half of his body just tears off, yeah, and your guts going everywhere, and I was like, okay, yeah, this this is uh, yeah, this is basic cable. This was happening on, and I was I was uh-huh. like, I. Yeah. Dawn of the Dead in 1978 got an X rating for being too violent, and they're right. doing this on TV now. So, also, basic cable. Can you say shit now, late night, past a certain hour? Did the rules change? Because uh, I've caught a I couple of swear you... words on my cable, and I was surprised. Yeah, I think you can. I think shit is, is now an acceptable uh, uh, cable swear word at a certain point. Okay. <laughs> um, but just to kind game. of go back to what you're saying a little bit, the same thing is actually actually happens in wrestling a lot with uh, the WWE. Yeah, where anytime ratings dip, 
mm-hmm. the they always like, well, we got to go more dark. We got to go more adult because that's what worked 25 <sighs> years ago. Yeah. And it's it's not a question of improving storytelling mm-hmm. or the stories that they choose to tell. It's like, oh, we don't do enough adult stuff. And it's like, well, no. Yeah. I mean, that's not the answer. It doesn't have to be the answer. Right. You can approach yeah. this from different angles. You know, when they did um, the Batman cartoon Brave and the Bold, I saw a few episodes. I didn't watch it because I was uh, getting out of school, getting out of college. I was I was busy trying to find work. I just didn't have. I couldn't watch cartoons like I could when I was younger. And mm-hmm. I'll be honest, like the, the campy, fun, kid-friendly Batman just didn't appeal to me. It's not that I want it to be dark. It's just that 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 version was just like, eh, not my thing. But yeah. I will say, like I do, if I was producing that show, I'd be proud of it because you went. In a totally different direction, the Batman has been taken for a while. You needed to reintroduce the character for kids, make it fun. Like that show should exist. It should have done well, and I, I think it did do well. Even though it wasn't for me, like I'm glad that they do that with Batman every now and then. Mm. I actually um, that was one I kind of uh, ignored for similar reasons. <clears throat> yeah. I have since heard people who uh, whose Batman opinions I do respect say yeah. that that show is actually really really good. Yeah. So I, I have been meaning to go back and check it out and, and see what the deal is. Not people's whose opinions you respect, specifically their Batman opinions. <laughs> Got it. Well, you know, I mean, <laughs> their thoughts on Batman might not jive with my thoughts on, uh, on Star Wars or something. I don't yeah, know. no, I get it. Yeah. I mean, um, I have people whose opinions I respect, but I do not respect their Star Wars opinions. <laughs> yeah, that's totally fair. <laughs> that's totally fair. It's, yep. it's, uh, people are very complex individuals. Yeah. Uh, next question. Uh, I'm confused. Does Sean like when Harley Quinn shoots people in the head or not? <laughs> this is a throwback to the greatest uh, Sean put his, putting his foot in his mouth moment ever when uh, I was harping on this comic that someone did. I'm like, I can't believe they had Harley shoot someone in the face. That's not my Harley. I'd never have her do that. And I literally mm-hmm. did that in The Curse of the White Knight as Clay like, was like happy. months, months ago. <laughs> Yeah, I meant that the dark version of Harley, the not the fun version that I'm used to. Harley Quinn, my, you know the the red and in the White Knight universe, the good mm-hmm. Harley, quote unquote. That's not her thing that she should do as a villain to random characters like this version of Harley was doing. Granted, mm-hmm. my version of Harley did exactly do that to Joker <laughs> to defend her kids, and she did it at Joker at, at Jack's request too. Uh, it's kind of a team effort. But yeah, so question is, do I like when she shoots people in the head or not? Mm, I guess it depends on who she's shooting and why. Yeah, whose head and why is it being shot, I guess. Yeah, but yeah, I'm, I'm so embarrassed <clears throat> that that was caught on, <laughs> on tape. Um, who do you feel have been the most overused and underused characters in the show? That's a Ooh. good question. Yeah, you go first. Um, I feel... Uh, it, if you had asked me midway through the second season, I think I would say the Joker because he had yeah. shown up the most and had the worst episodes. Yeah. But they really figured him out, especially once they kind of dialed in what Harley was doing and what she was about mm-hmm. and made those episodes um, more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I. <laughs> I don't really know. Outside of him, I don't know. Because I, I, one of the things that we did kind of come across is that a lot of the big name characters don't show up that much. Like, they yeah. only do like three Riddler episodes. I think Clayface only shows up a couple times. What about a B character like uh, Bullock or Montoya? Um, someone like, maybe there's an answer there. I 
from B characters, I would probably go if I'm going with a villain, I would probably say Rupert Thorne because I've never found him that interesting. Yeah. Um, Except for that one episode where he and his brother, the priest, escape a train or whatever. Right. That was that mm-hmm. was damn good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, generally, I yeah, don't that's care about him. That's the most interesting I think he gets in the show. Yeah. Or or no, you know who Daggett? I don't really like Daggett that much. They always pull up Daggett for some <laughs> weird harebrained scheme where it's like, let's turn Catwoman into a cat or something. Yeah. Uh, I wish they had done more with Montoya in this. Yeah. And I'm not just because I want to earn SJW points as a, as a good liberal, but I, I really do like her character, and I that's kind of why I wanted to use her in White Knight and to promote her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a ton of men in this universe, so I really do want to give the ladies a leg up if I can. Uh, mm. I'm not afraid to admit that. So, yeah. But I, I also thought that she had a really compelling... Like She just... yeah. What I liked about it's, her was she was a cop first and a lady second. Like, she doesn't seem like... it. She cares that she's a woman. She just wants to be a good cop, period. Mm-hmm, and I've mm-hmm. always dug that about her. And women who generally think that way, I generally get along with. So that's kind of why I wanted to expand on her. It's uh, it's really kind of sad though that um, you add one, you add one female character who shows up for maybe a couple episodes and has <laughs> yeah. a couple lines that are pretty good, and all uh-huh. of a sudden it's like, oh my god, what an addition! Oh <laughs> yeah. my god, and it's yeah. like, yeah. Why do you think that is? It's because these characters don't exist. They, it's it, Gotham City is is dying for characters like this, which is yeah. why when you get a Montoya, Montoya. Yeah. They grab her out of the show and turn her into a comic book character and, and yeah. give her like stuff to do. Uh, yeah. It's it's really interesting that it takes yeah. a show or a movie to introduce a character that seems like it should should have been introduced thirty five years ago. Yeah, <laughs> or or longer. Yeah, it's funny. I've had a weird sort of um, experience. I mean, when I first started getting into comics and meeting people at shows, <clears throat> it was a sausage fest. Generally, mm-hmm. a bunch of straight white guys. There's, you know, diversity here and there, which I was always glad to see. But whenever I would meet a girl who worked at a publisher, I would always ask, like, man, how do you do it? Like, going to these events after and these shows, all these, like, men all around, like, your office is full of men. Like, if I was a lady, like, I wouldn't want to fucking be here. Jesus. Like, I, I would, you know, I was trying to joke around and break the ice. And I had a way of delivering that that wasn't as creepy as it, I just made it sound. <laughs> sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure they would agree. <laughs> but I would always try to like um, to break the ice talking to a girl is just state the obvious, and I probably should have not done that honestly, and just you know treated you, her like an editor, like, or an artist, or whatever. Were you like the kid from Kindergarten Cop, where you just walk up and say, "Boys have a penis and girls have a vagina"? <laughs> yeah, you know what? Does not go over as well as you would imagine. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I would always be like, man, I, I would feel I feel bad for the the chicks that are in this industry because they're just so outnumbered, and uh, I was trying to empathize with them by sort of pointing it out in a fun in a friendly way when I can, <clears throat> but you know it might have come across as, hey, you're a girl. Did you notice that I noticed you're a girl? Because you're definitely a girl. Did you notice how there aren't a lot of girls here? Like it might have made them feel more awkward, honestly, by yeah. me doing that, honestly. But yeah, so. Uh, yeah, what I'm getting to the point is like, yeah, I, I know that there. Every time you bring a character into a female character into uh, Gotham, they're like, "Oh, you're super woke and trying to do this and that." Like, why do you have to bring your liberal politics to my, you know, my Batman or whatever? It's like, guys, the world is fifty fifty, men and women. Comics are not fifty fifty. 
I just right. want to help change that, you know, and once it's fixed, hopefully we can stop talking about the wokeness and all that crap, you know, but I think yeah. that it's fair to tip the scale a little bit in the meantime. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> it's just the reality of, of a city like Gotham City. It's like you're going to have more than yeah. just white guys, you know, Yeah. <laughs> you, and you're going to have more than just white guys running stuff. Yeah. It's not, it's not any uh um leap of the imagination to add in a capable character who's a woman or a different ethnicity (laughs) or sexuality or anything yeah i mean i think it's like fun when men and women work together i mean even the most ardent masculists out there can agree that it's more fun giant groups of people do things with women there Mm. it just breaks up the you know monotony of course next question uh what are your thoughts a rumored revival of animated series Is this a worthy endeavor that should be left alone? And do either of us feel that the new series of Batman can be made or have all the stories, have all the stories been told? I think the second half of that question, you're always going to have new, uh, Batman's been around for almost a hundred years at this point. There's clearly stories left to be told. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's ever, you're ever going to run out of stories. Um, as yep. far as a, a a revival of Batman the animated series, I mean, I'm I think we we may have talked about this a little bit previously, where it's like I'm open to it as long as it's more considered than that movie, that Harley Quinn movie they did a couple yeah. years ago, which was just ugh. Yeah, if they're gonna go with cheap animation, like the, my problem with a lot of the new animations is not one of them looks as good as some of the worst episodes of the 90s series. Yeah. You know? Like, even the terrible episode of the Fox, uh, the three frat guys running around dressed as animals, uh, whatever that episode was called, that animation is better than most of these quote-unquote movies that they're releasing today. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the fuck is happening. I know that drawing things by hand and cell shading is more expensive and takes more time. Like, I get all that, but there's got to be a way to use computers and keep it cheap, but somehow make it look more like the 90s and if they're not going to be able to do that then it's kind of a deal breaker for me period like i don't care if they get kevin conroy and bring you know some of these other actors back from the dead uh, if it doesn't <laughs> look as good as this then i'm it's kind of there, there's no point like it has to look as good at this if they're going to revive the animated series if they just want to revive uh, yeah that's the end of my thought yeah <laughs> Sorry. no I, I agree i i feel the same way where it's like if you're going to do it you got to do it right otherwise yeah. it's not worth doing yeah, and I think um, when someone asks why this, you know, why this holds up, why is this the definitive Batman? Mm-hmm. I, you know, we've gone over this a dozen times, I'm sure, over the, the series of the show, but it's for me the animation is killer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a, a stylistic approach that was well considered with Art Deco, and it worked. The story treated kids with respect. It tried to push boundaries where it could, and it always had a pretty solid product. And um, yeah, I just think that all all of the cylinders were hitting at the right time for this to work and uh i just think that somehow when these newer batman shows are being put together the care isn't being taken in the same way that it was in the 90s for whatever reason Mm, yeah yeah the animation thing is is interesting to me because it's uh um you've got shows on tv that do pretty solid animation every week yeah that I mean, this this is one of them that back back then they were doing uh, yeah really great twenty two minute animation that was obviously it's they're not doing it in a week but mm-hmm. 
it was something that they were putting out on a schedule to put on TV, but these yeah. movies that they seem to work on for years just end up feeling really stiff a lot of the time now. Yeah. And if they're going to revive it, I mean, I'm curious, is it going to include the Justice League? Or can Batman just be in Gotham doing Batman things? Because that's kind of what I prefer. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I think if you're... I think if you're going to re- redo it under the banner of Batman the Animated Series, there has to be yeah. uh, some fidelity to that. Here's a question hmm. that I, I just thought up now. If they do, would you prefer they continue the style <laughs> of the change style, or how would you feel if they went back to the original style? Uh, original style backgrounds, new style Batman and Robin. Yeah, okay. Personally, what about you? Yeah. Um for continuity's sake, I would probably agree, but yeah. I do feel like I, uh, I this may change because we haven't really covered it yet. But I mm-hmm. do really like the older, um, more, uh, I guess, warmer designs yeah. that have a little bit more curve to them, and uh, yep. I, you know, I like them curvy. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you should say that to a girl at a convention. They love I like that. I like my Batman like I like my women, two dimensional and curvy. <laughs> And and just painted head to toe. Well, you know, I I hate the new Batmobile they made for season four. I hate the Batwing. I just got I just got a really four. really weird look for my girlfriend after. <laughs> it's weird that she finally knows the truth about you. Yeah. Well, finally she listened to the show. I guess. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm going to take my answer back. The only thing I like about season four is. I like how they get rid of the blue on Batman. I just I like mm-hmm. the gray on top of dark gray on top of yellow. And I like how Robin is just red and the warm colors are pretty consistent. Mm-hmm. I do prefer that. But generally, everything else I like about the first three seasons. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Now, is this a revival or is it a continuation? Or I'm sorry, I don't know. I actually, revival I, or are they redoing it completely? Uh, I think it would be a revival. Um, but I, I honestly don't know. I have... I, I've only kind of seen little bits and pieces. I, I haven't really looked into it at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, next question. This is a bit of a crossover question for this show and Rotten Horror Picture Show. Uh, if Sean and the Rotten Horror Picture Show co-host Amanda swapped co-hosting spots on their respective podcasts for an episode, which episode of Batman the Animated Series would you want to watch and discuss with Amanda? And which horror movie would Sean want to watch and discuss? You want to go first? Uh I would pick a John Carpenter movie. Yeah. Uh, I gen- I'm not a big horror guy, but I do gravitate towards his stuff in horror. I don't know what it is about mm-hmm. the editing or the pacing, the music. Maybe it's all in that like sweet spot of like late 70s, middle 80s type stuff. And Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm usually a Carpenter guy if I had to watch a yeah. horror movie. Uh, what yeah. would you have a man to watch? Um, that's tough because I mean, I, feel like, I almost feel like I wouldn't want to go for a horror episode uh, mm-hmm. because... You know why pigeonhole, but yeah. um, I would probably do. I would probably go go for one of the the more well known ones like Heart of Ice or or maybe I actually the one um, we did not too long ago with where Harley Quinn steals the biplane and yeah. tries to kill kill the Joker. I really like that one quite a bit. I think that would <laughs> be a, a, an interesting one to uh, to get her perspective on. Yeah, you wouldn't do one with. Uh more horror aspects like uh, uh, Ivy 
growing a family out of that would be a good one too actually yeah that would that would definitely be on the list i think that would be a fun one to talk about yeah definitely um do you you think think beyond go ahead oh sorry do you think think the beyond Beyond issue i'm gonna say it i'm gonna say it (laughs) (laughs) you can edit it out i'm fucking taking the question do it do you think the beyond series was a good segue from the animated series clay um i do I, I can't make that call until we start watching it. I do, I, but in my head, I think it was in retrospect, but at the time, I didn't because I thought it, I, it took me a long time to come around to Batman Beyond, mainly because mm. of the opening credits, and I hated them. So yeah. the opening like industrial music, Batman, future Batman thing, I rolled my eyes so hard I fell off my chair. I know. You know, for me, it was the song they picked. It's like they got together in the mid '90s, and you're like, "Hey, you know what's going to be really awesome? Twenty years from now, we'll have this futuristic music that sounds like shitty '90s guitar solos." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like that, like wow, wow, wow. It was music that was dated as it was coming out. It already right. felt yeah. stale. It felt like the wrong move. Completely. And I'm going to bitch about this a lot more when we get into reviewing that. <laughs> <laughs> I wish they had used more synthwave. Um, the stuff that you and I like to listen to, Clay, like Carpenter yeah. Brute. I think there's a place for that in Batman Beyond if they redid it. Maybe maybe, um, maybe when I uh, wash out of comics in a couple of years, I'll start a new YouTube channel where I write synthesizer scores to replace the scores of Batman Beyond episodes. <laughs> that sounds like a good use of time. Yeah, or maybe I mean, you could I'm... finally do that podcast about the Punisher you've been talking about. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I already scratched <laughs> that itch. I don't need to do that again. But <laughs> Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah, I I came around, and I'm for this reason I'm looking forward to to talking about it when we get there. But mm. I it it took me a while, not only because of the styling, but also because like you're jumping into the future. There's fewer characters that I can I know. Like there's the villains are like new characters I don't really give a shit about at the time. Mm. Yeah. Um. But then they did once they started doing a couple episodes like uh, that Mister Freeze one or the Clayface one where he's like underneath mm. the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, stuck to the wall, like he's seeped into the 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 bones of the city or so. I remember that yeah. being really really cool. Yeah. Uh, so it kind of it kind of won me over a little bit there. And then obviously, Return of the Joker is a, is a pretty solid entry as well. Um, do you think Harley is overused? Yes, and I'm contributing to this problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm aware of that. I think uh, Jason Todd is probably a little overused, and I dove into that without realizing how many people were gunning to do Jason Todd stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it's too late for me to backpedal, so I just got to keep moving forward with uh, with him and uh, Beyond the White Knight. I think um, I think you could just have a scene where someone says, hey, remember how Jason Todd was alive? He's not alive. He's dead now. <laughs> just Yeah, my readers love that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He, um, di- he died in between issues off screen. Yeah. You know, it's funny because there was an attempt from studios to really make Harley Quinn a thing with uh, outside of comics and they made her a thing by making her the cheerleader version and when that happened mm-hmm. there was a sort of a revolt by people like me who were like wait 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 hold on what about the other harley that we all like huh so you see people putting their foot down in different ways with series like uh you know white knight and my wife's book and uh harleen and uh, mm-hmm. there's another one. Um, it's a YA book by Marika Tamaki Tamasi that was awesome. 
Oh, but yeah, sure, there's yeah. like been a blowback. Not, not, blow, not blowback because we're all working for the same company. We all love Harley. But there's been like the civil war of Harley in a way. And there's two sides. And it's interesting to see people like me, you know, try to dig into like, yeah, she was a criminal. She's got some problematic stuff. But who hasn't made mistakes? Let's kind of make her a good guy, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's people who are fine with her shooting people in the face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, I do find it interesting some of these characters where there is such a uh, dichotomy over over what is considered the correct version. Yeah. Because, like, I don't have... I'm, I love Batman. I've never had a problem reconciling Batman in space, mm-hmm. doing space stuff with Batman Oof. on in Gotham, doing Gotham yeah. stuff. You know, it's like it's all part of the same <clears throat> yeah. tapestry. You know, the Alan Moore Batman is... I think can coexist with the Frank Miller Batman, which can coexist mm-hmm. with the 50s Batman. I think it's just uh, um, some of these characters who are, I guess, less established yeah. have uh, their roots aren't as deep as uh-huh. as someone like Batman and Robin or the Joker and stuff. So you've, if someone decides to take a, a turn with them, you've got a, a, a fan base who's like, loves the character, wants this character to stick around and have legs. So mm-hmm. if someone comes and changes it, then they feel like they're losing the thing they like, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah. I think it's I think it'll all kind of even out at the end. But as far as use, yeah, she seems to be everywhere. Yep. Um, I still think casting Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn is probably in the top five best casting decisions made in the last 15 years. Totally. She's great. <clears throat> you know, I uh, I would love to meet her and just – Show her my book and be like, listen, you seem like... You, you fucking nerd. Yeah. First of all, I'd be like, man, isn't it weird that you're a girl and all these guys around you? Isn't that weird? <laughs> no. Uh, no, I'd be like, you're obviously fucking smart. I've seen interviews where she talks about how problematic Harley is sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it seems to me like Margot Robbie struggles with how to play the character that is empowered in her own way and has a, an answer for Joker. Uh, it doesn't need the Joker. And I feel like the solutions to that are all in my book. And I'm not saying it because I want her to push them to do a Neo-Joker or White Knight movie at all, but I feel like all the stuff that she f- seems to be saying about Harley is addressed in my book, and it fixes all of it. So why wouldn't she want to do that, you know? <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. But it would totally come across like a, a creepy fan when I saw her. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't know, she's not aware, of, I'm guessing, not aware of my book. I mean, I'm sure they're going to start sniffing around for future products at some point, but uh, it's unclear to me if they see that last movie of theirs is a hit. Do they want to do a sequel that's more of the same kind of Harley, or do they want to mm-hmm. evolve Harley again uh, with Margot Robbie still you know, playing her? I don't know. You know, I, I think there's an easy out if they mm-hmm. want to change away from the Suicide Squad Harley. Yeah. And that is just do a James Bond thing where even though you changed who Bond was, keep M the same and just have just have her show up as Har- Harleen Quinzel in yeah. the new Pattinson Batman. You get to do whatever you want from that point. Yeah. Yeah. You could do that. I you know, it's, it's weird. You, I kinda, you can't even agree on if these movies are hits anymore. Right. Like, t- yeah. Tell me if Wonder Woman is a hit. You know, I have no you idea. ask yeah. two people and you're going to get three answers. Right. It's just crazy. Like, is it making money? Unclear. Is it doing well in China? Probably. Uh, or is Warner Brothers happy, happy with it? Maybe. Is it doing well mm-hmm. on streaming? I, I mean, no one knows. You know, and that's not even getting into the critical reviews of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, 
I, I have a feeling that this push that they're going they're going with for the, like this DC multiverse thing where like apparently they are bringing Michael Keaton back to play Bruce Wayne in the Flash movie or something. Mm-hmm. I I have a feeling this is all just a gigantic workaround to figure out how to get Joaquin Phoenix into a Batman movie. <laughs> yeah. Why not? I mean, the multiverse thing was such a hit with Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, they realized, oh, general audiences get it. You can throw out comic booky ideas like multiverses, mm-hmm. and people's heads won't explode. So they this, did. This gets us crisis. They did Crisis on Infinite Earths on TV. On they did it on television. Yeah. The the CW shows have been who, that have been around for ten years or whatever, building mm-hmm. this DC uh, multiverse canon. Yeah. Did fucking Crisis on Infinite Earths, and it somehow worked. I don't know. It probably yeah. could have worked better, but it worked. And I so, think that yeah. that plus Spider Man, I think, is is opening the floodgates to oh yeah. these things can all coexist and people are just cool with it. Totally. You know, to, to say something too about the format that they're going to choose, I heard something on this podcast I love named uh, Comics with Perch. Perch is a buddy of mine, and he was talking about uh, I think it was Wonder Woman, and what he said blew my mind. He goes, "Wonder Woman is a, a long movie, like at least two and a half hours long." Mm-hmm. If you take Mandalorian season two and you cut out the credits, the concept art at the end, and you just actually take the meat of how many minutes of actual storytelling there is, all 13 episodes of Mandalorian are generally about the same length as one Wonder Woman movie. Mm. Minus 20 minutes, I think. But mm-hmm. So if you're a company, it's like, huh, is it better to do like these episodes is it cheaper to do it this way Mm -hmm. you just take a movie and you break it up into pieces and then you like sell the pieces at a higher cost to customers like why even do three hour movies anymore if you can just do 13 you know episodes of mandalorian like that's the way they're thinking and you really can't blame them you know my my theory i think much like the movie leg i think marvel is is leading the charge on this because yeah i think um Especially after co- after COVID, uh-huh. the days of monthly Marvel movie drops are probably over, mm-hmm. because they seem to be pushing towards streaming, where yeah. they can do they can do less. This is I don't mean like quality wise, but they can do less for longer. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. So instead of dropping a movie, a two hour movie once a month, they can drop a half an hour episode of a TV show yeah. once a week and people still keep talking about it. And they, f- right. they found that they can do this um, movie level quality work in a, for a television structure mm-hmm. and they've already conquered the movie theater. Yeah. So why not conquer TV next? So I think it's going to be, yeah. I think that's where Marvel is going to be putting all their, and I'm not like a, I'm not Nostradamus for saying this. It's mm-hmm. pretty clear. Um, I mean, yeah, if movie theaters are, <clears throat> going away in some capacity if that culture has changed forever because of covid mm-hmm. then they have to do what you're talking about it's going to be yeah. stream- it amped up the streaming war faster than we thought it was coming yeah yeah right yeah and it's funny there's also this is kind of creepy i read this news story where um there's this technology they want to put in tvs that it counts how many people are watching 
Oh, Jesus. So they'll Give charge you. Let us enjoy it. If you want to see guys. Wonder Woman 3, you have to pay per person. Ugh. And the TV can see how many people are in your room. And if a new person walks in... It stops the movie and goes, oh, that, do you want to buy a ticket too? Oh, give me a fucking break. And who would fucking buy a device where their TV watches them? Like this glowing that's, red howl light on the wall. <laughs> you know? That's what de- That's what physical... That's, I am, I am a, a fierce defender of physical media in yeah. all forms, whether it's albums or DVDs or whatever, yeah. specifically for this reason. Because when you're streaming stuff, even if you're paying for it, you're still at the mercy of the person who's supplying it to you. Yep. You know, even if you quote unquote bought it one yep. day, uh, it's not there anymore. Sorry, it's just a yep. license. You don't own anything. Yeah. So that's why I, if you can get it on, if you like it, buy it on physical media, then you yeah. can control it and you can control when yeah. and where you watch it. And yeah. Break, other- just break that FBI rule and show it to a bunch of people <laughs> at the same time at a party. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. Remember back in the 80s when we had like, uh, before cable, you had like, three to 12 channels on your TV. You had a rabbit ear antenna. You had, you know, three to, you know, that, sorry, then cable came around and you could pay extra for an extra 20 channels. Ooh, 20 more channels, you know? And all the content <laughs> you needed was basically being controlled by 20 different entities. And all the bullshit we've gone through since the late 80s with more cable, super cable, uh, dishes, uh, download, Netflix, blah, 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 blah. Here we are, back where mm-hmm. we started in the 80s with yep. 20 different companies generally still controlling all the content. It's just 20 channels all over again. Yep. And each one is going to cost you like 12 bucks a month. <laughs> yep. yep. Yeah. We did it, everybody. Yep. New, uh, new uh, As they say in The Simpsons, Malibu Stacy has a new hat. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, Let's jump jump around a little bit. We're running kind of long, obviously. Yep. Uh, let's see. Uh, love the discussions. Really like the direction of the Harley Quinn spinoff series, and looking forward to more. You and Clay, are, are you and Clay doing a Catwoman book soon? Are the numbers good enough so far that maybe we will get more spinoff miniseries like a Nightwing Batgirl at some point? Do you want to take this one? Yeah, the Harley s- sales were way higher on issue one than we thought. They predicted fifty k in sales with COVID. We got over 80k which is wow big that's like white knight number one numbers before we went into reprints so dc and my wife and i are extremely happy and thank you obviously to my editor mm. mateo blah 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 um then issue two plummeted <laughs> down to <laughs> oh, no <laughs> 55 which is still above what they were predicting so even though it's a hell of a drop that i really can't explain issue three went to forty-eight thousand. so we we seem to have um steadied the numbers which is great we've got mm-hmm. some uh reveals coming for like the harley noir costume it's a costume the batman designed for her it, it looks like her original costume but it's more batman colors that's going to be revealed so i expect some of the issues will go up a little bit more um i can't explain that first plummet uh we all got too excited and maybe greedy when we saw eighty thousand units <laughs> but uh you know in the end you know even though it's a, a a bummer it's still outperformed what the initial numbers were and i think that's worth keeping in mind so yeah. yeah, to answer your question, will they do spinoffs? Absolutely. In fact, um, I do want to do a one shot like Von Freeze in between my next Batman book, which will be Beyond the White Knight. It's something I talked to Clay about. We're thinking maybe Jason Todd or we could do the Batgirls. We're not really sure. Sorry, the Catwoman story, but we're not really sure. And then there was a book that Clay and I wanted to write together for Catwoman and finally give people who have been wondering where the hell Catwoman is in all mm. of this White Knight stuff 
and give uh, some context to that. So we're going to see how White Knight, uh, Curse of, <laughs> where's my mind? How Beyond. Beyond the White Knight, thank you, does. Uh, and then we'll see what the schedule looks like at DC, if they can afford to do more, if, they're, if they've got some openings in their slate, then we'll kind of see how it goes. I'm pushing as much as I can, but with COVID and all the other stuff going on, it's just only so much I can do. But yeah, those yeah. are in my mind, those are still going to be happening at some point. I just can't say when. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm looking forward to getting the opportunity to, to work with you on it because uh, yeah. I, I, Catwoman... When when we had originally kind of chatted about the idea of maybe me being involved at, on a book, yep. that was immediately where my mind went to because uh-huh. it's the it's the only character that you uh, like big name character you haven't touched on at all. Right. So I think it would it's it's a fun yeah. uh, it's a fun world to get to play in and and, yeah. and define for the White Knight universe. I think it's conspicuously missing and people are noticing yeah. and I do I do want to give them an answer for that. I think we've got a good answer when you and I put that book together. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's going to be fun. Hey, so next question, I'll read it. Uh, what Batman villain would John Wayne play if he were alive today? <laughs> All of them? What <laughs> Batman villain would John Wayne play if he was alive today? He would play Egghead from the Batman 66 series because it's a stupid character and he's got a fat, dumb head. And I, I, see- and I don't ever want to see him again, so he's a one-and-done, out-the-door character. You know I say cast him as himself. Make him Clayface. He's a washed-up actor who's That's afraid. That- no, yeah. I don't want him to like accidentally <laughs> fall into a good role. <laughs> I know. My idea is actually good. It could work. Yeah. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he could with the with the right director. You could actually he'd probably get an Academy Award nomination or some shit like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It uh, would be his uh, his version <laughs> of uh, the JCVD, where he's all of a sudden self aware about himself and people. Yeah, start giving him yeah, a that took us all by surprise. I got a face a false glimmer of hope when that hit, and then I was just you know been disappointed for the last ten years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What are you gonna do? <laughs> um, let's see. What character with multiple iterations would oh, sure. you condense into one or fewer versions? And what elements of the backstories would you definitely keep slash discard? Thinking about multiple Robins, Clayfaces, Batgirls, etc. I actually... Clayface is a really good one. I, I think they do yeah. a really great job in the show of condensing that down into a, a, a workable single character. Because we, we talked yeah. about it in the show previously. In the comics, there's like, I think four, possibly yeah. five of them. Yeah. Um, who are all unique iterations with different things about them. And, and uh, mm-hmm. the cartoon version was the only one that I knew for a yeah. very long time. So I assumed that was the one from the comics. But that's yeah. sort of like an amalgamation of a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. When you told me that, that blew my mind. Um, I agree. I, I would just condense all the clay faces into one at this point. But I'm biased because I, I come from this cartoon. So, uh, yeah. There's, I'm uh, sure there's uh, great stuff you could do with multiple versions of him, but uh, I just kind of like my Clayface being Matt Hagen or whatever. Yeah. With a similar similar question, we have uh, you have to fit 80 years of history into a realistic time span of Batman's life. <laughs> what elements do you jettison? How many Robins or Joker encounters does he have, etc.? I was thinking about this, and my first thought was probably no more than two Robins yeah. because... I don't think he goes back to the well after Jason Todd gets killed. Yeah. Realistically, I think he probably stopped. I remember yeah. when they did, um, when DC did the uh, New 52 thing, they mm-hmm. jettisoned all of their previous canon except Batman. 
for some reason. And the existing story they were telling was that Batman and all the superheroes had only been around for five years. And I was like, mm. wait, so if they're keeping Batman's history, he's gone through four Robins in five years? <laughs> yeah. That's that's just, uh, yeah. he's just a bad manager at that point. So if you've got a how bat long, manager. How many, how many years do you get you out of one Robin? There's a question. Yeah, I five years for Robin. You need you know to build him up. You need to you know get him excited, make him really like you, and then you have to disappoint him in some way and reveal how you're actually a bad father. Mm -hmm. Grow some resentment. All that takes Mm -hmm. what five years. So let's say let's say uh, (laughs) let's let's use Dick Grayson as a jumping off point. He in this cartoon, let's say he turns into Nightwing shortly after college. So he's probably been with Batman for maybe ten years at that point. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. How long before that did he start becoming Batman? I would say he's probably Batman by himself for about five years. Yeah, yeah. I think realistically, if his Batman career lasts, we'll give him forty years from mm-hmm. age twenty-five, age twenty to age sixty, at most. So, mm-hmm. how many Robins can you have in forty years, realistically? And you're right. For the first five years, he's got to be with. So, thirty-five years of Robins. How many Robins does that give you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah i still think i i don't think i think realistically if you have to pick and choose i don't think he does more than two because i don't think he would yeah. do it again or if he and, did it would be yeah. much much later i think tim drake if you want to use him probably yeah. doesn't show up on the scene for like yeah. f- at least 15 years after jason yeah. Todd dies i mean i don't love batman having too many kids around period if he's such a loner and he, he likes to do things alone then why all these right. colorful kids running around like that never yeah. made sense to me but I, I get why it is the way it is and for that matter, him joining the JLA never felt right to me. It's just like Batman floating around a space station in space. Like he's like he's anything as nearly as powerful as Superman or any one of the other people. It's just that didn't make any sense to me. Yeah. But uh, your mileage may vary. Yeah. You know, I one thing I would I would keep, which I don't know, may or may not be controversial. I don't know how people feel about this stuff. I would keep the killing joke as canon and have the Joker paralyze Barbara. Yeah, because I think she's a, I think she became a better character once she became Oracle than she mm-hmm. was as Batgirl, yeah. and also and unfortunately, I mean, just the way it works, it's it's a it brings consequences to the life that they're all living. Yeah, um, you yeah. know whether it's, I mean, it, 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 if you if you really look at it in in the um, history of Batman and the Joker, if you've got sixty years here, it's like. Mm-hmm. The Joker has killed one Robin, and he paralyzed Batgirl. Yeah. He's pretty. That's pretty intense. Yeah, for him, like that's it's, that's a lot of uh, yeah. a lot of um, a lot of consequences for the life Batman's leading. Yeah, it's amazing he hasn't broken his "I don't kill" rule, given what the Joker's done. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, I feel like he's living a corrupt lifestyle. When you deal yeah. with slightly more corruption every year, I think eventually it's just a slippery slope, and it's just a matter of time before, you know, you become the thing you hate. All of that, you know. Mm-hmm. I I don't I don't see him not killing Joker forever, honestly. And I I don't like my Batman to kill, for the record. Yeah, I I would put more money on it if you're condensing it down. I would put my money on the Joker ending up dead, but not by Batman's direct involvement. You know what I mean? Like yeah. just. More, more like the way they do it in like a movie where, yeah, you know, whatever the Joker's pulling off doesn't work, and he gets caught in the explosion or something like that. I think if you're yeah. going to try and fit eighty years into a realistic time span, yeah, um, I think you gotta 
you got to take some characters off the board at some yeah. point. You know, for me, the the idea of more than one Joker is kind of odd. I haven't read those books, so maybe they're awesome, like uh, Three Jokers by Jeff Johns or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, did he write that? Yes. He did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, hey, maybe it's great. I think it's selling well. But yeah, it's for me, it's hard to wrap my head around more than one guy, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But it's yeah. just my opinion. Um, I think we could probably wrap it up. Let's circle back to uh, um, Sub-Zero. Before we, before we wrap it up, do you want to give a rating for the movie? Oh, yeah. Uh, three out of five. Yeah, I would say the same. I think it's worth seeing for the visuals, but unfortunately yeah. not much else. Yeah, it doesn't uh, drop the ball. It's just underwhelming. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, what would you draw in this? What would I draw in that in the movie? Oh, man. That's a really good question. Um, what would so you I, go first? Yeah, uh, Submarine, hands down. Oh, sure, I, yeah. I actually want to do a comic book uh, like Das Boot one day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually pitched you this idea. You and I were talking about doing a Kickstarter together or something. Oh, and right. I really yeah. want to do a submarine story. I don't know what it is, like drawing it from the outside underwater. Like I love underwater stuff, and uh, I can't get enough of it. So, And then drawing them inside this tube, all these sweaty guys and like half dressed in these. Um, <laughs> oh, this sounds bad. Hold on, hold on a second. <laughs> Just like you know, leaning up against each other. <laughs> like, you know, like around October, everyone right, looks yeah. uncomfortable in there. Everyone's gross and greasy. They're wearing uniforms, kind of. You know, the mm-hmm. chain of command, it's pretty lax. I mean, it is the Navy. <laughs> yeah. I would be interested I would be interested to try that to see if it would work in comic book form cuz Yeah. submarine store movies are are almost always a slam dunk as far as being good suspense tension movies. Yeah. Um and I'd be curious to see if if you could pull that off in a comic. Yeah, and that thing is I'd want them to get out of the sub and do things and travel around a bit more not it wouldn't just be them in a sub the whole time sure. but i think it would have be you... cool to change the format of the book release a book that's like four inches tall and 12 inches wide so you can really <laughs> do like submarine a, style a panels. submarine shaped book <laughs> yeah. every page every page is a double fold out so you can fit the whole ship on there yeah that'd be pretty fun have you um have you seen the show the terror on it's an amc show that was yeah uh, it's the guys in the north that stuck. Um, yes, yeah. Yeah, I've watched two episodes. I watched the review on it just to get the... I need to go back to it. But yeah, I did enjoy what I saw. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like you might like that because it's guys on a ship but who have to go off the ship. Yeah. Um, but they're also... The ship is very much the yeah. home base kind of thing. It's good. Oh. I, I haven't finished it, yeah. but uh, I, I liked what I saw. And one quick question. Um, I meant to look yeah. this up. Can a submarine really just break through the ice like we, do, like we see on TV from time to time? Is that actually a thing? The, you know, the, the tower part of the submarine pushes through. Like, is that really something that a captain would risk? I have no idea, actually. They do it quite a bit in movies, so yeah, maybe. But if it's thin enough, I guess. But I mean, if it's like six, I wonder what the threshold is when you're like, we can't break through that. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure there's probably some sort of yeah threshold of yeah. ice thickness or something. <laughs> um, you know, I think I might want to try. I've never really done much polar bear drawing. Drawing Mr. Freeze <laughs> bumming around with some polar bears would be pretty fun, I think. So I want to talk about the ending. I forgot. Sure. Um, first of all, anytime you've got a big uh, fight scene showdown an oil rig, I'm in. I just love oil mm. rigs as settings. Um, I loved how Freeze was sent off into the sunset on this one. He sees that Nora's fine. You never see her face. 
you don't see her with her eyes open. You don't see her as a character at all. You just hear on the news that she's she's good. He basically saved her because it was his tech and his research that finally did the job. And he turns around and he walks off into the sunset into the Arctic. And he's got one leg frozen in the ice because he broke his leg during the fight. And the two polar bears are with him. And like I thought that could have been the last Mister Freeze thing ever, and I would have been happy with that ending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would I would agree. Yeah, I think. Yeah. I think the trouble with Mr. Freeze is that they keep sending him off and then have to... We talked about this, I think, the first time in yeah. Heart of Ice, where it's like, yeah. you, you you keep ending his story, and then when you bring him back, it's like, well, why is he doing this again? You know, what's Yeah, the- and it, it, they're not bad. They're like, okay, you didn't kill the character. You, you didn't like ruin the character in any way. It's still pretty consistent, but they keep teasing it, and it's like, you guys are going to fuck this up at some point. Yeah. And then you get the, to season four when he has like the three Eskimo chicks. And for me, that's when they <laughs> jump the shark. Yeah. It's like the story is always Mr. Freeze is cold and uncaring. But by the end of the story, he has some glimmer of emotion. And then by the next story, it's like, well, what do you think made him angry this time? Because <laughs> he's back to the way he was at the beginning of the last story. I don't yeah. really know what's going on they here. He just didn't know what to do with him. Yeah. Yeah. It's unfortunate. But yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's going to wrap it up for us uh, for this. Thanks for hanging around for uh, an extra long episode of Badass here. It might actually be longer than the movie itself, but um, I think we're going to take, we're probably going to take a little bit of a break um, and then we will be back with season four, the final season of Batman the Animated Series or the new Batman Adventures and then uh, onward and upward from there. Do you have anything you want to plug before we go? You got any books coming out or whatever? Uh, yeah, I'm finishing up Plot Holes now. Um I'm going to see about getting a publisher, maybe give it to Image, and maybe it'll come out in like a regular comic book shop too. Cool. We'll see how things are going with COVID. Um, um, I'm excited to get back on Batman. I, uh, I'm i more of a corporate guy than I thought I was, apparently. <laughs> like I really do love doing my own book, but I just I feel like I know Gotham so well, and I'm just really anxious Man. to get back onto Batman and tackle that one with you. So. Yeah, I'll be in touch. <laughs> the the bat the uh, the Sean Murphy I met five years ago would be horrified to hear you say that. Yeah, I mean I really liked plot holes, but it's such a different sort of thing. Yeah, and yeah. Um, I I felt some moments of confusion during the process where I'm like, what is what am I doing with this book again? Like I, yeah. I felt some doubt, yeah. and when I work on Batman, I never feel doubt. I, I generally yeah. know yeah. what's going to happen and how it's going to go, and it usually lines up the way I want. Plot holes is fun, but it was kind of a different idea, and it's a bit of a risk. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. People will see it as my uh, – what was the Beatles album that let everybody down? <laughs> oh. Uh, like a misunderstood Beatles album that some yeah, people fucking sure, love sure. and some people don't. You know, that that might be plot holes. It's hard to say right now. Um, yeah. yeah. Got to take some chances. Try something yeah. new. Yeah, exactly. How about you? Anything cool. to plug? Uh, I'm finishing up. I'm almost done with Bloody Hell. Finally, thank God. Um, it'll be out later this year. Yeah, uh, I think it's. I think it's wrapping out. Wrapping up pretty well. I'm. I'm pretty happy with it. It's the first thing I've done in a while where when I look back on my art, I don't immediately give it the stink eye. So, it's uh, good. Let's see how long that lasts. I don't know yeah. how much longer I'm going to get out of that. But yeah. I can't go look back at my art if it's older than four years. Yeah, that's generally like I. I haven't reread Punk Rock. I won't. I don't even like looking at uh, White Knight Volume One anymore. I can really? still look at I can still look at Curse. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's funny because I obviously this is a, a talk for a different time, but there's stuff that I I generally am the same way where I don't like looking at my own stuff, but there is stuff that I've gone back to ten years later, mm-hmm. and I've kind of gone, man, there's some stuff in this that I still like that I don't do anymore. Oh, and I totally I, do that. 
you get mad yeah. You're like why don't i fucking render that way anymore that that worked just fine yeah it's like i look at this and I go man i actually had some balls back then i've i've yeah. really evened my stuff out for better or worse like yeah to get some of that gotta, edge back they shipped me an old uh they're, they're recollecting hellblazer so they used one of my covers and sent me a trade and i'm flipping through it and um there's there's some bold uh decision making in that book that i applaud mm. myself for that i would never <laughs> do anymore and some of it worked some of it didn't but i i do applaud applaud like young sean murphy age 29 getting out those inks and really taking some risks that i certainly wouldn't take anymore you know yeah yeah it definitely influenced a whole generation of people arguably <laughs> Oh, thanks. With Hellblazer? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, just that, that change in style. But, you know, we can cover that when we get to your Lifetime yeah. Achievement Awards ceremony when you're cool. old next month. Yeah, right. <laughs> cool, man. But uh, that's going to do it for us. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you guys for sending in your questions. And uh, we'll be back soon with Season 4 of Badass Podcast. Thanks, guys. Can't wait. Can't <laughs> wait.